Digital Marketing Radio, episode 215. Hacking outbound sales at marketing agencies. DigitalMarketingRadio.com You're listening to the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain Hello, I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by a lady who was named in Marketing Magazine's Top 30 Under 30 Marketers for 2016. She's a chair of the Discover Your Personal Brand Conference and the VP of Business Development for 88, a Toronto-based creative communications agency. Welcome to DMR, Fatima Zaidi. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be recording this podcast with you. Well, good to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us, Fatima. And you can find um, Fatima over at 88agency.com. So, uh, Fatima, today we're talking about outbound sales for marketing agencies. I tend to find that many marketers switch off when they hear the word sales. So is that a terrible thing for a marketer to do? You know, it is, and I can understand why. I mean, typically sales is this very daunting term that not a lot of people really understand what we do. They just think of it as cold calling and door-to-door and all of the stereotypes that are sort associated with business development. Now, essentially, you know, the crux of the business and the foundation is the sales. So at the end of the day, marketers and subject matter experts really need to get on board and work in collaboration with their sales teams to ensure that you're bringing in the types of clients that you want to be working with, particularly in marketing agencies. And often it can be a difficult um, it can be a difficult task because subject matter experts are viewing the company in a different lens and salespeople are looking to hit targets. So it's really a fine line and a funny dance that you have to do to sort of meet halfway. So when the two don't talk enough, whose fault is it? Is it sales? Is it marketing? A bit of both? (laughs) You know what? If you ask the subject matter experts and PR people and marketing people, they'll say it's the salespeople and vice versa. I am a business development and salesperson. And, you know, the salesperson in me would say that there needs to be a mutual respect for both ends of the spectrum. At the end of the day, we can't do our jobs without the subject matter experts, and they definitely cannot do their jobs without us. So actually, um, when I joined 88, um, the current marketing agency that I work for, one of the things that I was in completely insistent on was we had to job shadow and learn each other's roles and functions inside out so there was a mutual respect and understanding for what we were doing and so that when I'm selling the businesses and bringing in companies and bringing in clients I know and I'm seeing the contracts through their lens and when I'm bringing in these contracts when they're working on these client projects they're doing it through my lens. So what does hacking outbound sales actually mean then? You know, sales hacking, it's a funny term. It really refers to any productivity, shortcut skill, or novelty method to increase efficiency, allowing salespeople at the end of the day to achieve more in less time and make more revenue for the company and also for themselves. I think essentially the goal of outbound sales hacking is to get the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Okay, that seems like a a relatively new term. Is that something that you've come up with or has it been around for a little while? Yeah, I think it it definitely is. Like, I think there's a lot of the term hacking is used to, you know, describe so many different things these days. Mm. There, You can see a trend with growth hacking and marketing hacking and now sales hacking. It's uh, interesting, but when I started working on my personal brand 10 years ago, I wanted to build my personal brand around 
a market and an industry that, you know, there wasn't a lot of activity in, I wanted to step into a niche and make a difference. And, you know, 10 years ago, not a lot of people knew a lot about hacking sales. And, and that's sort of why I came up with this term. And that's how I brand myself. I'm a hacking outbound sales experts for marketing agency. Great. Okay. So do you feel that the methodology used in hacking outbound sales is very different compared with conventional sales and a conventional sales approach? I definitely think so. I think sales has definitely evolved over time. I think that the methods that we were using like cold calling and door to door um, and consulting agencies like 10 years ago, I think it's very, very different today. Just based off of the amount of competition that is out there in the industries, we really need to find new and innovative ways of you know, reaching prospective clients. And it's funny, I, I always say that the average salesperson, whether you're at an agency or even just an individual salesperson working for a company, they always reach out to people because they think they have an obligation to do so. However, the top 10% of salespeople today the ones who are full of hustle and true professionals will only contact their prospects with a purpose and very creatively. So I actually have a rule of six that I swear by and follow. And, you know, it's worked really well for me in my career. The rule of six. Um, what's that? So I call it, the, what are the exact steps of hacking outbound sales? So I can go through, um, if we have some time, I can yeah, actually go, for it. go through good. them right now. Yeah, so the first thing is I always say get creative when you're a marketing agency. So always do internal branding and some sort of campaign to promote yourself and get on people's radar. So for example, when um, a few years ago we actually did a campaign, internal campaign called Agency or Porn. We wanted to you know, really brand ourselves as a creative, fun, forward-thinking agency and you know, do something out of the box. So we created an online gaming site where users when you go on to play it you have to distinguish whether a name of a company is actually a name of a marketing company or an adult film sounds really lame but it's actually really funny when you play the game it's really addictive and so you know that when we when we launched agency or porn it got so much pr coverage all over north america uk japan lithuania all over the world which just goes to show when you you know produce good content, there are no boundaries. It sounds like the kind of thing that an Australian agency would have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Canada's not far behind. So I feel like we you know we really branded ourselves as a really fun creative agency and we developed and we we actually developed a lot of inbound leads and inbound sales leads through that campaign. And then after that campaign we started doing one very regularly. So when we found out our dream dream uh, company Warby Parker was moving to Canada, we created a really creative poster with iconic celebrities, Canadian celebrities wearing Warby Parker glasses. And, you know, this poster went viral. We got a ton of PR coverage. We had Warby Parker reaching out to us. So we're constantly finding ways to make ourselves newsworthy and really do creative things so that people are not just, people are reaching out to us and we don't have to do a lot of cold calling. So that would be step number one. That would be get creative with, you know, how you position yourself as an agency. The second step would be to develop online and offline contact uh, tactics to always stay top of mind. So whether you're speaking at events or conferences, being involved in the community, networking events. You know, I often get asked when I won 30 under 30, how did you close 250 partnerships in the spam of two years? And I always say one handshake at a time through attending events. And on top of that, I do a lot of webinars, Twitter, Facebook Live events. I'm always finding ways to keep our 
agency top of mind. Sometimes I'll do TV segments on global news. I'll be writing articles for the Huffington Post and Beta Kit. So really find ways that are online and offline to always stay top of mind um, with prospective clients. The step number three would be partnerships. Partnerships have really been instrumental in getting our agency to where we are today. So when I started at 88, the first thing I did was I built 20 solid agency partners who offer complementary services to ours. So, you know, we do digital marketing, PR, and design. So we would partner with development agencies or paid media agencies or experiential agencies. And we send business back and forth to each other. So when I sign up a client for PR, they need other services, and we refer those to our partners. And we share RFP, we share information, we, you know, co-pitch together, we host events together. So I constantly find that, um, you know, through this network that we've built for us, we have a constant, you know, flow of leads coming in. And I, you know, I would also add that it's not just agencies that we partner with. We also partner with a lot of organizations that, you know, get us in front of our target audience. So, you know, one of our partners is the American Marketing Association. They have a lot of companies, um, corporate companies, startups, tech companies who are part of the association, and we are their in-kind marketing partners, so they get us in front of all of these clients who are always reaching out to us because they've heard about us, and we find that these partnerships, at least one to two solid, we bring in at least one to two solid leads a day. Um, I would say step number four is always build a very solid rapport with um, clients. So, you know, I think it's, I do not recommend the straight up sales pitch where you reach out to someone and say, hi, I'm calling from this marketing agency. Can you use our services? I always want to build a relationship and there are many ways that you can do this, but you know, the way that I've decided to sort of approach it is I hold monthly lunch and learns at our office and those lunch and learns are always, you know, catered. So sometimes we'll do a workshop on personal branding. Sometimes we'll do a PR workshop, a graphic design workshop, and we provide value. And it's a touch point to reach out to these clients that we want to work with and say, attend our free workshop. And it helps us develop a really strong relationship with them so that down the line, when they do need marketing services, we're constantly top of mind. And the last one is remaining unemotional. I think that, you know, it's really, really hard to connect with prospects. And Sometimes people don't pick up the call. I think you have to have really tough skin in sales. And a feeling of rejection can often develop, making it hard to reach out over and over again. So I always say don't take this rejection personally. Instead, always approach your sales quota analytically. Um, it takes a lot to get all your ducks in a row. So that would be my last piece of advice. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm glad that, that I drilled into that um, your answer from that initial question because um, that's a lot of great advice there. Um, so uh, quite a few different areas there. Do you think it's important to try and cover them all at the same time or is the order that you presented them in the actual order that a business should do them for the first time? Yeah, no, they're actually not in priority order. I would say that you these are all tactics that should be going on simultaneously. Um, you should sort of split up your week in a way where you're focusing on one tactic um, one of the days and then the next tactic the second day. You just never know when leads are going to come in and you want to make sure you're covering all grounds at once. One of the biggest challenges, I reckon, with face-to-face with -face sales and meeting people face-to-face -face, um, is probably actually measuring success. How, how do you measure the success of each of the areas that you actually talked about there? 
Yeah, definitely. So it, I actually use a CRM system called Nimble, um, and Nimble is amazing. I literally can't live without it because it I track every lead and where it comes from, and then at the end of the month, I pull a report. And through this report, it can show me you know, which tactics have been more successful than others, and I often will change up tactics based on this report. So if I find that you know, I have been generating more leads through TV or through the articles that I'm writing or through internal branding campaigns, then I'll focus more on those months. So over time, I've been able to collect a lot of data. I know our business is cyclical, so I know which months I should be focusing on which tactic. So I would say really you know, approach it analytically, try to record as much data as you can and it's very important to be using the right CRM system. Lovely okay and I'm sure your marketers are also using that CRM system as well. Is that the core way that you actually tie marketing activities and uh, sales activities together? Yeah, definitely. So we do use Nimble for certain marketing activities. And then for PR, we use a tool called Coverage Report, which really measures sentiment for media relations, the amount of coverage, the amount of impressions, the amount of, you know, user shares on social. So, you know, we have quite a couple of different uh, CRM systems that we use. But I think that one of the things that we do to tie in sales and marketing is we have a weekly meeting where we sit down and discuss results, metrics, leads that are coming in through the pipeline. We work very, very closely together. Everyone is constantly in the loop on each other's numbers, and I find that that helps create a very cohesive and seamless process. And does that meeting have a very tight agenda, or can that agenda morph depending on what you're doing at the time? Yeah, so um, actually we circulate the um, agenda 48 hours before and everybody, all the heads of departments, so our digital marketing manager, PR director, our creative director, and myself, and then our managing director, we all add our uh, items to the agenda and we discuss them. So I, yeah, it does have a very tight agenda and you know every week it, it looks different, but it's a great way to keep each other in the loop. And how do you decide on how to prioritize the agenda? We work until the job's done. So it's okay. typically a two-hour meeting, and then we just work down the list. We're not leaving until all action items are covered. Um, and, you know, each department usually has a lot of information to update you on. So we try to be respectful and, you know, allocate time where, where necessary. Great. Well, uh, in a moment, dear listener, we're going to be moving to the second part of our discussion, where I'll be asking uh, Fatima about the software that she couldn't live without. But first of all, I just want to ask you a question, and that is... Have you purchased your copy of Digital Marketing in 2017, the book yet? That is 107 digital marketers on one book sharing their number one actionable tip for the year and written, of course, by me. So check out the reviews and grab your copy over at digitalmarketingin2017.com. But let us segue into the second part of our discussion. So, as I mentioned, that focuses on Fatima's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So, starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Fatima, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? For now, because I work at 88, we use I use a soft CRM system, Nimble, and I couldn't live without it. But throughout my sales career, I've used various different CRM systems. I've used Salesforce, I've used HubSpot, Insightly. I would say out of all of those softwares, uh, Nimble is probably my favorite, followed by Salesforce, which is highly customized. I think every salesperson is going to tell you that they cannot live without their CRM system because we cannot do our jobs without it. We need it for reporting. We need it to put in our tasks or opportunities to you know measure and forecast. It, it's half of our job at the end of the day. 
Great. And of course, a great CRM system that's fully up to date can assist greatly with marketing automation as well. Definitely. Well, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Yeah, so I, um, I've i heard really good things about Hubnest, which is apparently a really great CRM system. And then HubSpot also has a really great one. So, you know, those would be two that I'd be open to looking into. Nimble is really working well for me right now, but, you know, and maybe in another life, I'll switch over. Well, I'll include links to your recommendations there in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think 10 years ago, we didn't really understand the importance of PR and internal branding. Often companies and marketing agencies are so focused, you know, branding other companies that they don't think about themselves. And I definitely, you know, when I was building my last company, Rent for Off Repeat, I definitely made that mistake where um, I didn't invest as much in internal branding and PR, which I think, you know, adds a lot of value and helps keep you top of mind and helps you with storytelling. And I definitely wish I had known that 10 years ago. I think my current agency has really given me a newfound appreciation for PR and the buzz that you create around your own company. So my advice would always be work, you know, help brand yourselves, internal branding, treat yourself as if you would treat your clients. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that advice there. I think, I mean, first of all, regarding branding, I've come from an SEO background and 10 years ago, SEO was all about using a keyword rich domain. And that's not a brand. A brand is yes. something you know that someone will really associate with your business, but doesn't describe your business. And right. Um, and PR uh, has been you know, very traditional and perhaps set silo um, apart from digital marketing in the past until fairly recently. But if you fully integrate your marketing, there are so many additional benefits to that. Wonderful two pieces of advice there. Yeah, definitely couldn't agree more. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion, so use it wisely. You ready to go? Perfect, I'm ready. Twitter or Snapchat? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? Mmm, that's a tough one. Mm, Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? Ooh, YouTube. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Website or app? App. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Outreach or advertise? Advertise. Email to one or email to many? Email to one. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Neither. (laughs) I've had a neither before in 215 episodes. Neither social subscriber or email subscriber. um, Am I right in thinking that it's all about personal relationships then for you? Couldn't agree more. It's all about those, you know, warm connections. Okay, okay. I'll I'll let you get away with that, although that's not an official answer. The final one is local marketing or global marketing. Local marketing. Wow, well, we got a neither instead of a both for the first time, and that was a, an intriguing one, certainly. You had a few stumbles and not 
completely sure what to say on things like YouTube or Facebook Live? Is is that because um, your agency is perhaps testing them and maybe different things work for different clients? Exactly. So, you know, really, they both target to different markets and demographics. So it really depends on who, whether you're targeting millennials or baby boomers or Gen X, Gen Y. Um, I'm a fan of both. So sometimes it's hard to pick one. But essentially, for those answers, I tried to think of what was the best platform for myself. Great. Okay, well, well done for not saying both. <laughs> but let's move on to <laughs> the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Yeah, so it's interesting. Our agency is, you know, known for being early adopters of tech. We, you know, our managing director was one of the first people on Twitter in Canada. She started BetaKit. We were also one of the first agencies in Canada to build a marketing chatbot. So if someone gave me $10,000, I think what I would do is build another chatbot for a notable company. Uh, we recently uh, built one for TIFF, uh, who's one of our clients, and we called it the TIFF bot. Um, for the Toronto Film Festival. And I think I would use that money to build another marketing chatbot because not only is it, you know, you know, are we sticking true to our roots, which is being early adopters of tech, it's great for PR coverage. And we got a lot of coverage out of it. So what type of business should absolutely be developing a chatbot at the moment? I would say anything service-based. So not that it would be replacing all of your customer service functions, but definitely could help augment that process. So companies like Sephora, uh, companies like Rogers, companies like, uh, I'm trying to think, any anything that's customer-facing, um, instead of having someone sitting there behind the desk and, you know, chatting with people who have skincare issues or, you know, like Body Shop would be great for a bot because people don't want to go on Twitter and tweet about their skincare problems or, you know, a lipstick matching um, test that they want to do. But, you know, if they can log into the app and go onto the bot and actually have a conversation that's, you know, artificially simulated where you feed it data and it spits back answers for you and it's almost like talking to a person, I, I would think that would really help automate it, the customer service process. Got you. Okay, so it's high volume B2C businesses and not B2B businesses. Totally, yes. My number one takeaway. Oh, Fatima, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listener needs to take away and implement in their business? Yeah, so I think um, my number one takeaway would be don't just market other companies, but also focus on marketing your own, whether that's through SEO, whether that's through, you know, paid media ads, internal campaigns, events, partnerships, find a way to personally brand yourself and your company and your agency and always get onto people's radars in creative ways. Great advice. So if you're an agency out there listening, look at your own website and ask yourself the question, does that really demonstrate what I actually do? Um, If not, then you're probably finding it tough, I guess, to get new clients. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. Um, What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, definitely. You can visit our website at 88agency.com. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Zadie A. Fatima. Find me on LinkedIn, Fatima Zadie. Uh, If you go to my LinkedIn page, you can see all of my latest TV segments, my articles that I've been writing. And you can also find a link to my conference, uh, which is DYPB, Discover Your Personal Brand. Wonderful. So thank you to Fatima and thank you, dear listener, too. If you have an opinion of what Fatima shared today, tell us what you think. So the Facebook page is facebook.com slash digital marketing radio. Plus, you can tweet me at David Bain. 
Plus, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. So you can do that at digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes for iPhones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash Android for Android devices. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios.